Hello out there. You're listening to Evolving with Mr. V, a podcast that covers the week that was in AP Biology and much, much more. And I am your host, Mr. Velasquez. This is the first official episode, episode one, week one of the 2019-2020 school year. In this week's podcast, we'll review the week in AP Biology, August 19th to the 23rd, and look forward to the coming week as well. We will discuss a little of what's happening right now in the Amazon jungle. And our final segment, will go into a little bit of a deep dive into my thoughts about the whole Spider-Man situation, the breakup between Sony and Disney and the ramifications that it could have on the MCU, on Spider-Man itself, if they don't come back to the negotiating table. So let's jump into our DeLorean and go back in time, way back to Monday, and review the week that was in AP Biology. Monday was the first day of school, and in class, we mostly focused on an introduction to the course, to AP Dual Credit Biology. We learned a little bit about me, your Master of Biological Arts. We learned that I have a couple degrees from UT, Hook'em Horns, have been teaching 16 years now, all in NEISD, started off at Reagan, and then moved over to Johnson when it opened up, and have been teaching AP Dual Credit Biology for 14 years. Wow, that's a long time, and I'm starting to feel it. We learned that I have a great family, an awesome significant other who tutors math, who used to teach here at Johnson as well. She tutors calculus and pre-cal, and I have three awesome offspring as well, Ellie, who's eight, Lucas, who's six, and Darwin, who's three. And yes, I named Darwin after the great Charles Darwin, one of my personal heroes. We discuss why biology matters in the world, how life is so beautiful and it should be studied and we are going to study it. But we also studied how beneficial biology is for some of the fastest growing occupations, not just in the United States, but in Texas as well. We discuss what to expect for the class, um, and we expect a college-level class, because guess what? You're college students. We highlight the four big ideas that we'll cover throughout the year. Evolution, being one of my favorites, kind of runs through the entire framework of our course. Energy, because we need it. How do we get that energy? How is it transferred? What do we do with that energy? Here's a sneak peek. We need it because we build. Another big idea is genetics. Another one of my favorites, how does life continue? Talk about DNA, cell division, mutations, Punnett squares. And the last idea is ecology. How do we or all life interact with the planet, its resources, and each other? We'll talk about food webs, food chains, nutrient cycles, and symbiotic relationships. And then we talked about a process that we're going to be practicing throughout the entire year, that being C-E-R, claim, evidence, and response. You know, your claim is the statement that kind of answers your original question, your question to your research. It's usually about a sentence in length. It should be specific. It answers the question completely. It's very similar. Sometimes it is your hypothesis. The evidence That's your scientific data that supports the claim. It should usually be quantitative data, number data, but it could be observations. Usually this is the data, your results of your experiment, and then reasoning. This is usually the hardest one students tend to have a hard handle with or a hard time handling with, and that's, you know, connecting your evidence to your claim. It answers the why the evidence supports your claim, because this is where your content comes in. It's connecting that content, making sure your evidence explains that claim. That brought us to an end to our notes for Monday. But then I gave you a challenge, an activity called 
What is it? A challenge where you studied, you observed a photograph of a very familiar, very common object that all of us have seen, and you try to figure out, what is it? Using a CER framework to kind of write up your answer, and that brought us an end to our first day of school, Monday. Now, let's focus on Tuesday. Tuesday, we completed our what is it activity. And what was this familiar object? A cow. It turned, you turned in your CER write-ups about your claims. And for the most part, you guys nailed it. I think you guys did great with this first assignment of the course. Then we completed our discussion of the intro to AP dual credit biology notes, focusing on lab safety, knowing where all the essential lab safety equipment is located and when and how to use it. We discussed MSDS sheets, which are now called SDS sheets, safety data sheets instead of material safety data sheets and where they're located. And we talked probably about the most important safety concern I have as an instructor, which is students wearing their lab goggles over their eyes and not just resting on their head. We saw a very disturbing photo of what could happen if you're not wearing your goggles while doing any sort of lab investigation. And it looked really disturbing and painful. And like I mentioned, I'm sure that person is going to have an eye for safety in the future. We then watched a pretty cool short film on lab safety called Zombie College, The Five Rules of Lab Safety, which to recap are, one, dress for lab, two, protective eyewear, three, always pour your acid spaces to the solvent, not the other way around, four, lab safety equipment, no location and use, and finally, five, proper lab behavior, no eating in the lab, clean up after your messes and make sure that there's never ever horseplay. We ended our Tuesday by finishing up talking about our lab safety contract, that Google form that hopefully you've done. If not, get on that. How lab work equals teamwork. And we talked about the notebook for the course, which is not mandatory, but an extra credit opportunity for those of you who are organized. And then some advice on how to be successful in AP biology. Spoilers, Hey, review your notes, try to read the book, and form study groups. And that was our Tuesday. Moving on to Wednesday, we started by recapping lab safety, by studying some lab cartoons, and trying to find out correct and incorrect lab behaviors in these cartoons. We then used some time to register and sign up for our book online, Campbell's 10th Edition Biology. Hopefully you were successful. If not, Make sure to come in before and after school to get that help to make sure you could get that book online, to access the book online. Remember, our first reading assignment is Chapter 2, Basic Chemistry, due by Wednesday of next week. For the rest of the class, we focus on experimental design, what you learned as a scientific method. We reviewed the seven steps in the process, which are making an observation, asking a question, usually from the observations that we make, forming a hypothesis, making a prediction from that hypothesis, setting up your experiment and running your experiment, collecting your results, your data, and then forming your conclusion and discussion. In our focus in experimental design, we expanded on what makes a sound controlled study experiment, making sure that we remember all the terminology that comes into play, like independent variable, 
also known as the manipulated variable, which is the variable that we change in the experiment, usually graphed on the x-axis. We also went over dependent variable, the variable that we measure, also known as the responding variable, what we usually graph on the y-axis. Constant variables, those variables that stay the same throughout the entire experiment. We also went over control group. You know, that's the group that doesn't get the independent variable. That's not changed that we're going to compare our experimental group to. We also talked about how in science, we prefer quantitative data, that being number data, like taking measurements, like mass or height, over qualitative data, which is data that's more descriptive, like using uh, large, small, medium, moderate. Now, in science, once again, we prefer number data. Now, does that mean we never use qualitative? No, we use qualitative, but we prefer that number data. We prefer that quantitative data. Then we focus on what makes a good conclusion. And this is the part where you talk about your results. You know, do your results confirm your hypothesis? Does it refute your hypothesis? You know, can you draw any conclusions? And is there significant data? Does your data just show a trend? Um, and this is also where you back up your statements. If you make a statement, back it up with some of that number data that you got from your results. And at the end you look at you know what's the next step in your research you know do you have to go back and change up your hypothesis maybe change up your independent variable what's the direction of your research and that finished up our discussion on experimental design and this also concluded our wednesday on thursday we put experimental design to practice with two activities first activity was examining three experiments studies and trying to identify the independent variable, dependent variable, experimental group, control group, and other parts of experimental design. We discussed our findings as a class, and you rocked it. I didn't see or didn't notice any issues with any part of this activity. Our second activity also had three scenarios, experiments, that you had to evaluate and find components of experimental design, but it took it up a notch. You also had to find the flaw. Each scenario had a major flaw which did not make it an experimentally sound study. Students worked in teams and recorded their results on poster boards and this brought us to an end to our Thursday. Now moving on to Friday, students were given time to complete their posters, evaluating each scenario and identifying the independent variable, the dependent variable, the constant variable, control group, the claim, the evidence, and the most important and challenging, the flaw in each experiment. We then had a mini parade rock where students walked around seeing each other's work and comparing their results with others, which ended with a class discussion about the flaws for each scenario. After that discussion, that brought us to our main objective for our Friday, which was our first AP Biology quiz, our quiz over lab safety and experimental design. Students had 14 minutes to complete the quiz. And that brings us to an end to our first week of class. Hopefully you didn't find it too overwhelming and you enjoyed our time together. Now, before we move on to the next segment, we're going to take a short break for what I call Mr. V's Got Bills to Pay. So the following is an ad that sponsors our podcast. 
Hey, are you tired of the same old boring vacations? Basic vacations like the beach or the lake or even just the Grand Canyon? If you are, well then you should try Mind Player Travel Agency. They have some unique and exotic vacation pass packages for all types of people. Do you like the cold? Do you want a break from the sun? Then visit the Upside Down. You don't have to worry about harmful UV radiation or having to wear sunscreen. Here, the cold temperatures and constant darkness give visitors a thrilling experience. Do you like wildlife? Well, in the Upside Down, their exotic life of demogorgons and demo dogs will make you scream for more. Their friendly behavior and hungry appetites make them, make them very easy to spot, almost to the point that they just might take a bite out of you. Now, don't take my word for it. Here is a Yelp review from a customer named Barb. Barb states the following. While at first I was somewhat terrified of something different, I quickly fell in love with the Upside Down. I love it. I love it so much I wish I could die in this place. Wait, am I dead? Oops, that's where Barb's comment ends. Well, it sounds like Barb will be a lifelong friend. So, let Mind Player Travel Agency book your next vacation to the Upside Down. And we're back. I can't wait for those checks to start rolling in. Now, for this segment, we're gonna get a little bit serious. And I wanna make sure that you guys are aware of something that's happening in our planet that definitely has connections to biology, definitely to our ecology unit. And that's what's happening on the Amazon. The Amazon, right now, it's on fire. It is burning at a record rate. And this should be alarming to everyone. I mean, it, this affects everyone on our planet. The Amazon has been estimated estimated to generate more than 20% of our world's oxygen. Uh, oxygen produced by photosynthesis, something that we're going to discuss a little bit later. Oxygen that every living organism needs by the process of cell respiration. We need that oxygen so we could make energy, so we could change our sugar into a bunch of ATP. And not just that, it's also home to about 10% of the world's biodiversity. I mean, every year they find new species of insects uh, in the Amazon jungles. But once again, it's on fire and it's being affected. I mean, it's actually referred to as the lungs of our planet. And it's crucial to regulating our planet's climate. And with all these fires right now, it's increasing greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and because now they're increasing, the overall temperature increases, which affects global climate patterns, causing extreme weather events throughout the world. And here you could insert pretty much any image of any disaster movie that you've ever seen. You know, maybe like Day After Tomorrow, Geostorm, Interstellar, and so on. So I just wanted to make sure you guys are aware of this. I'm going to put a YouTube video on Edmodo that kind of explains what's happening there, kind of showing you some of the images as well, because seeing it definitely kind of just gives you that connection of how horrible of a thing that's going on over there. Now, what can we do to help? Guys, on Edmodo, also in the description of this podcast, I'm going to put some websites that you could visit to help. There's donations you could make. Uh, you could do things like, you know, reducing your paper waste, uh, using your paper usage, your wood products, uh, maybe even cutting down on your beef intake, but also donating. There's a lot of websites that you could donate money where they plant trees. They go out there and try to protect the rainforest as well. Well, this will bring us now to our final segment. 
And this segment is going to be my inner thoughts on the whole Spider-Man situation. Well, if you didn't hear this week, it seems like Spider-Man will no longer be appearing in MCU movies. And you know what? Uh, there's no other word. This this kind of sucks. I don't like this. I don't like the idea of Spider-Man not being able to come out with the Avengers or be with any of the MCU movies. Now, just a little bit backstory. I don't know if you guys knew, but initially about a couple years ago, about five, six years ago, Sony and Marvel uh, or MCU, uh, which is owned by Disney, uh, came to an agreement to kind of share the rights of Spider-Man. The agreement was to make two full movies and then Spider-Man could make about three appearances in the MCU movies. Now, the MCU would produce those movies they were you know pay for the making of those movies produce them direct them but the money split would be 95 percent of the profits would go to sony and about five percent of the profits would go to disney or the mcu now this week they were renegotiating that deal but they failed to reach an agreement it seems like Disney and the MCU uh, wanted to now split those profits 50-50. And Sony was like, nope, I don't think so. And pretty much said, see you later. So for now, it seems like Spider-Man will no longer be in MCU movies, which once again, uh, I just I just don't like. I mean, I love Spider-Man. I love his interactions with all the MCU characters and the idea of him not being able to be in those. I think just, I don't know, it just stinks. It just really, really stinks. Well, that concludes our first official episode. Hope you found this episode informative and enjoyable. Now, make sure to follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Now, feel free to send me an email or make comments about it on Edmodo and, and tell me things you like or don't like about the podcast. Once again, I'm very open-minded about changing things up. I promise these podcasts will be getting better as we go on, as I get more comfortable and just more experiencing making these podcasts. I want to thank Free Music Archive for the music that you are listening to and that you heard throughout the podcast. Now, here is your little Easter egg for the week. Uh, we Our next quiz will probably be Wednesday or Thursday of next week. And on this quiz, electron configuration will be well represented. Uh, we're going to have to draw, you know, how many electrons are on each shell of an atom. If I give you an atom, be ready to draw electron configuration. Well, I'm your host once again, Oscar Velasquez, signing off and reminding you to please, please, for your professor's sake, review your notes daily. God.